Welcome to this week's Hotel Unlist podcast, where you find the pair of us back from our little mini breaks of the summer to once again give you 20 minutes or so of our thoughts on matters of the moment in and around the hotel investment space. My name is Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Unlist, and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Unlist. And uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is kind of a mop up of some of the recent uh, first half results presentations and the consequences and issues that came from them one of which is of course that uh, conversions are becoming a far bigger thing for all the big brand groups um, not least because in an environment where it's very hard for developers to get funding for new builds then uh, the big brand groups look to steal from one another or steal from the independents in the sector uh, to keep growing their brand pipelines and uh, Intercontinental Hotels has in fact uh, launched a new co- dedicated conversion brand which they've called Ghana um, and uh, they're out there looking to grab what they can uh, from the market and of course that's this is all very well these um, Hilton, Intercontinental and Marriott talking about looking for more conversions to bring into their estates. This of course slightly puts tanks onto the lawn of uh, businesses such as Choice Hotels which for many years has made a big virtue out of the fact that uh, a lot of its business is generated by conversions from uh, more lowly brands or from unbranded stock particularly uh, in the US. So um, all hail the conversion and uh, what's interesting for us to speculate on is the extent to which they're just stealing one from another, the big brand groups or the extent to which they are actually uh, growing the brands and uh, diminishing the pool of independence out there. Yeah, I want to build on your point about uh, choice and to an extent Wyndham as well. Um, their focus on the, that mid-scale um, economy and mid-scale conversion brands and the challenges that they may face from other branded operators coming in there. Um, it's probably worth referencing here, Chris, um, the Marriott, which you're about to touch on in our next item. But uh, at the end of Marriott's uh, conference call, they sort of hinted that they might be looking at a conversion brand for Europe didn't they? Mm, they did yes yes yeah so I, um, I thought I thought I'd already got one but never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah not in that mid-scale piece I think oh, okay. which is interesting and and yeah. it's interesting specifically for Europe or EMEA as mm-hmm. uh, a source of reference but you know uh, hopefully we'll hear a, a bit more about that soon in the meantime let's look at uh, um, what's been going on in these numbers and I um, um, dived into the presentation from IHG in particular um, and rather you know, very much um, we'll go on in a moment to talk about the sort of conversion thing um, but I think I just wanted to touch on the actual numbers and there's a, a, a slide in the investor deck um, there which I thought um, really encapsulates just what's going on in this recovery and just how unusual and extraordinary it is um, so I actually showed that uh, leisure demand the ADR for leisure demand in the first half was 16% higher than in the first half of 2019 so that just shows how focused that whole piece is there um, a, a year ago um, H1 ADR was 14% up on uh, 2019 levels so it's quite quite remarkable actually just how 
um, rate driven this recovery has been now occupancy has got back and indeed it's a leisure led recovery occupancy up seven percent in the first half um, 2023 against those 2019 numbers again um, if we look at a year earlier it was four percent up on 2019 numbers so we're seeing this ongoing strength in leisure no sign of the steam coming out of that leisure demand and in fact we're seeing quite good um, demand on the business side uh, as well um, so ADR up six percent in first half 2023 uh, IHG said it's the first time they've been able to renegotiate uh, uh, corporate rates since the pandemic, um, which has led to this, um, you know, tasty uplift. Um, there is still a slight uh, decline on um, occupancy on 2019 levels, um, down 4%. Um, so net-net business demand really, um, if you look at on a RevPAR basis, is still, um, well, it, it's now just going through it going beyond 2019 actually which is a very encouraging sign the the segment where there isn't actually um yet back to 2019 levels is groups now IG was very bullish on groups um but it was still 19 percent down in the first half of 23 on where it was in 2019 now what I actually did say, if you look at what's on meetings and events, I think this is slightly distinct from uh, groups, but just the meetings and events piece, they said that's up 36% on 2019, if you look at what's on the books at the moment. So I think that's a really encouraging thing. And I think that that those, that set of numbers really just sort of says how this recovery has gone. So we've seen leisure extraordinarily strong leading the way driving rates uh driving occupancy as well now um business has come back uh rate has climbed and it's just about getting to you know almost back to where it was occupancy wise um groups is that weaker bit but lots of good signs for that still to come still hopefully then tailwinds to come in the next uh, few quarters as as uh, we get into those now moving on to this whole um conversion piece and in particular i think this the, the interest around mid-scale so there's been a lot of uh, um, hype around the whole luxury and lifestyle segment but it does look like the the big brand players North American brand players are very focused on mid-scale they think there's opportunities here and IHG said look there's nine and a half thousand mid-scale hotels in the US um, and they say about 28% of that that nine and a half thousand are independent so it thinks it can hit an quite phenomenal 1000 mid-scale conversions over the next 20 years now i mean you know what what <laughs> what's a 20-year projection worth <laughs> uh, we yeah. can debate but nonetheless that shows the level of um, ambition and the potential that i actually believe um is is there right now and they said um, over 100 hotels have expressed uh, an interest in this new um, ghana brand uh, definitively now i'm not quite sure um i didn't didn't get anywhere where they defined what uh, definitive was but uh, um but 
presumably a high level of interest not quite to the extent of signing yet but uh, a great deal of interest from more than a hundred um, potential uh, owners coming in there so that that's you know very interesting and i think Aichi was also very clear on what it is these owners are coming for it's the revenue generating systems the distribution channels and the loyalty program that's what's driving the interest in these uh the brands from the big brand companies the power of their systems um that's what the focus is and i think this is where there is a threat to Wyndham and choice because if you've got hilton coming in you've got marriott coming in you've got ihg coming in um they have got a better system delivery i would argue and better loyalty schemes um at least stronger loyalty schemes now you know if, if you were Wyndham and choice you'd make the case that uh, look these they haven't got the level of experience in this mid-scale and economy segment which uh, Wyndham and choice have that's very true but they're coming with this these systems which is what seems to be attracting the owners so i think it's going to be a tough time there so you've got at least five players battling it out in these segments um, and i do question whether there is room for all five to succeed i suspect not and you know um a while ago we had this that somewhat wild speculation about Wyndham being taken over by choice i think we're going to get a lot more speculation over the coming months and years now we're going to take a look at what uh, Marriott have been up to. Uh, they delivered a strong set of results. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Andrew, they also hinted there'll be a new conversion brand for EMEA in the coming months. They still haven't revealed the name of their new long-stay brand that uh, they've sort of trailed. Um, but the other interesting thing, announcement from them most recently has that been that they've, they've tied up a portfolio deal with MGM Resorts. So a bit like uh, a bit like Intercontinental did with Iberostar uh, back at the end of last year. This is a deal which, uh, at a stroke, brings on board a large number of leisure-oriented uh, additional properties into the uh, the, the Marriott network. Um, they've basically got uh, MGM's got uh, most of the hotels in Vegas tied up um, and uh, several other sort of similar resort uh, leisure and gambling properties elsewhere around the US I guess for Marriott um, this is a really important deal because uh, if you're an American corporate you're surely going to take your big convention to Las Vegas on rotation every few years and this means that uh, uh, Marriott and its Bonvoy uh, loyalty system now have got uh, a big selection of, uh, of Vegas resorts and big convention hotels uh, to add to their uh, to their offering so um, uh, yeah, another interesting addition which at a stroke adds 2.4% to Marriott's total portfolio scale yeah I think it's a, a big deal an important deal actually builds on the point I just made in our first item about the power of um, the systems that these big brand majors have um, it you know if you've got a company like MGM which is a pretty sizable operator in its own right it wants to license these systems wants to license these brands um, it join in with this Bonvoy program um, and the fact that uh, Marriott's been able to convince a player of the scale and size of MGM is testament to just how powerful these systems are I think um, and we also 
in that first item we were talking about how unusual this uh, recovery is um, in that it's been rate driven it's been leisure driven um, another thing I would say it's very unusual is and we're going to talk about this in our next item is how the big brand companies big hotel brand companies have succeeded in taking market share from OTAs um, and there's a sense that they are actually disintermediating the OTAs um, they're finally finding a way to fight back against them so uh, it's interesting how that's happening and, and I think also um, that's we're going to see a pushback against private rentals as well as these brand uh, companies so hotel brand companies get into the extended stay segment and start offering a range of apartment-like accommodation um, and, and this is apartment-like accommodation but unlike the existing private rentals which you know are absent life safety or absent uh, proper uh, regulation um, the ones being run by the hoteliers are properly branded um, properly regulated and, and fully compliant um, and that, that they're going to be offering a consistency which you just don't find in the private rentals so I think this is a is a very interesting uh, development here and it's going to put a, even more pressure on the OTAs which for the first time have found that as we come out of a, a major downturn they're on the back foot now the thing that really struck me in terms of this MGM deal, um, not only that you know we've got such a big player here um, saying actually it makes sense for us economically to come and license the Marriott brands and systems, um, but they're actually extending that Bonvoy loyalty scheme into the online gaming platform mm -hmm. BetMGM, and I think this is a pretty significant development. Now. I think a lot of people are going to be watching this to see how this goes because this is you know a real sign that that loyalty scheme is is growing and becoming a very significant thing um it, it clearly already was but this this is shows potential for growth potential for for it to develop even greater power and i think you know it we will see a number of similar extensions at least tried um, um, over the coming months and years you know following this initiative from Marriott and their Bonvoy. The next thing we're going to be looking at is a roundup of uh, what's going on in the travel agency space uh, both the traditional and the onlines um, and some interesting uh, points to tease out from their first half results um, for the big uh, the big travel agency beast tra travel group TUI um, very very strong rebound of their business and they're doing well um, uh, looking forward to having a, a bumper summer uh, notwithstanding having to perhaps uh, extricate people from roasting Greek islands from time to time with a small uh, financial hit to the bottom line um, so we also had uh, results in from booking from Expedia and from Airbnb and um, what was particularly interesting uh, from Airbnb was that they say they are now seeing uh, some softer rates lovely how the, the CEO Brian Chesky 
wrap this up as uh, Airbnb delivering better value than hotels um, to uh, to its uh, its, its customers. Um, but of course, uh, not so good for the hosts who end up working harder for less money. Um, uh, but also uh, Expedia noting that uh, they saw softening demand for alternative accommodation a sort of slight rebound back to hotels. Um, just at the same point as Booking.com were saying that they're actually putting more alternative accommodation onto their platform. So uh, some of the plates moving here under these um, these online travel agents and travel agencies as uh, they they carry on uh, by and large seeing their businesses grow and uh, deliver record numbers. Yes, yeah, interesting. <clears throat> Again, just to reiterate the point um, I made earlier in terms of how unusual this recovery is and how much on the back foot these online players are at the moment. And also this challenge um, that we see within the private rental space. And this is before really there's any truly significant push into that uh, extended stay bit, um, certainly in, in Europe yet from the, the, the brand majors. I mean, they've, they've got the their products in in north america and i think that is going to be playing out there and clearly what we see there's a bifurcation that if you're branded um you're doing pretty well and you're able to drive rate and if you're unbranded you're not doing so well and you're not being able to drive rate um and that is i would suggest quite a quite a worry there and there's been a lot of speculative articles in the press suggesting that maybe there's going to be a supply issue for private rentals and that hosts are going to get fed up and say it's not worth a candle doing all of this effort if we're not going to make enough money so um maybe i think with that i think there's bigger threats to airbnb however it's worth noting that despite reasonable Q2 numbers the Airbnb share price has gone down 10% since it reported and it remains 14% below its 2020 listing price so um, although things you know it was a relatively bullish and optimistic uh, uh, um, report um, shareholders aren't buying mm. it at the minute um, and I think there's a you know a, quite a few problems out there now there are some real bulls I mean Bernstein um, the analysts there are particularly bullish on Airbnb um, and they they put out a note this week actually with the headline the bears should prepare for hibernation <laughs> when it comes to Airbnb so that's I um, mean you know it's uh, super bullish but I, I you know that what Bern, Bernstein like is that um, they think Airbnb is the only online travel company with a sustainable moat and it points out that hotel brands are grabbing more supply and that they're succeeding in disintermediating Expedia and booking that's in that conventional hotel space um, and I'm sort of suggesting that in that medium turn piece I think we've got some threats there from a bit of disintermediation as well in terms of the apartment piece um, from the brand majors as well which is clearly going to impact airbnb too so they're not they're not going to get away with uh, not being disintermediated um, by the, the the big hotel brand companies i suggest but i think much bigger than this is that an ongoing theme about the regulatory headwinds that airbnb faces um, a good example is what's been going on in edinburgh at the moment 
the local government there cracked down hard on short leads um the local media called it a de facto ban on airbnb um i think ban is probably an exaggeration but there's been a fall in the number of airbnb listings um according to data um it's down four percent since 2000 compared to what it was in 2018 i mean it's not a massive decline but this is also before um you know all lets are going to have to register by the beginning of September now that that hadn't been in force um, over the summer it was only new lets that had to register um, but it'll be interesting to see how much supply drops out if they've got to pay these extra fees to to register it's going to make the supply piece uh, a lot tougher for Airbnb and to a to an extent now you look at a market like Edinburgh which is the biggest short-term accommodation market in Scotland by some margin. Um, that city now looks ex-growth as far as Airbnb is concerned and that is and ought to be a big worry and we're seeing these sort of supply restrictions come in uh, just um, across the globe. I just had something land in my inbox talking about what's going on in Penang in Malaysia in that island there saying there's almost total ban on short-term lets or rather they have to be regulated again um, um, in this in the way that Edinburgh is regulating them so I think this is much much tougher um, regulation is going to impact the supply um, and I, I think this I, I, I my own sense on this is that you know Airbnb really succeeds in the big cities uh, where there's you know a lot of pressure on accommodation but these are cities which are facing a lot of regulatory headwinds because short-term accommodation is being blamed for the shortage of uh, uh, rental stock in these cities and I think that's going to encourage the uh, authorities to crack down um, unfortunately um, you know in in the words of the song nobody likes a tourist and this is exactly if you're a local politician you know tourists aren't voting for you you don't really care that much at least in the short term and I think it's quite clear which way the political winds are going and what's going to be happening in terms of the regulatory outlook uh, for private rentals. Now we're going to turn this week for our Five Star Notes Awards to our, our recent summer trips and uh, award gongs accordingly. So Andrew, do you want to kick off with your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, we had a, an interrailing experience. So we went, uh, flew into, well, flew into Germany because um, our, our kids were there at a, an orchestra thing. Um, we went up from Heidelberg to Berlin and from Berlin down to Bratislava and Bratislava to Salzburg, then up to Cologne. Um, generally all great uh, cities, but the five stars would go to uh, Bratislava, which was, um, in, in all honesty, it was not somewhere that I'd sort of set out to go to. It was just fitted in with, uh, with the rail network, so we ended up there. But what a fantastic experience it was. Three nights there, uh, fabulous city, fabulous food, fabulous drink, great um, 
uh, um, tourism experience. They've really done up the city centre. Um, really approachable, um, really accessible for tourists. But it's also got a real city alongside it as well, um, and you can see that and experience that too. Um, and it's not huge. It's you know a nice sized um, experience. So five stars there for that. The no stars is going to go to um, I argued a hugely overrated uh, tourist destination Salzburg so it's been on my list to go to but uh, um, absolutely stunningly beautiful I have to say it completely lived up to that but my goodness me how grumpy <laughs> were the locals um, so for, for, for 25 years um, I've been you know when any, whenever anybody asks what's the grumpiest place you've ever been to and I've always said Luxembourg um, you know again a quite a beautiful city but the locals there are very grumpy um but they've been outgrumped <laughs> by the salzburgers um who are quite remarkable even people directly involved in the tourism industry um were you know unnecessarily rude and uh, um unpleasant actually now quite why that is i don't know given it's a city really that uh, really wouldn't be existing if it weren't for the tourism so um not into the certainly the scale and size it currently is um so it, it, somewhat disappointing experience itself so and I, I we took a trip to italy and did a thoroughly modern interpretation of a bit of a pilgrimage uh, by cycling on e-bikes on the route towards rome um and uh, stayed in uh, a different hotel pretty much every night all being in italy they were all independent hotels and uh, i'm giving my no stars to those hotels because frankly most if not all of them could have done with the maintenance man spend half an hour an hour in the rooms that I stayed in. Why, oh why, oh why, do I have to screw the shower head of my shower back onto the hose to stop half the water going in the wrong direction? Please, just get the guy in and just do a few minutes of tidying up. Um, and then uh, five stars actually go to the Italian railways who were impeccably a great value and ran always on time. A contrast to Germany, which are actually worse than britain's railways um i think we only got one train that was on time um <laughs> the rest were either cancelled or remarkably late so uh, shocking and it was interesting the germans knew that as well and were very embarrassed about it and uh, people were telling me how the the swiss were were stopping trains coming in at the border sometimes because they were so out of um sync with the schedule that it was disrupting the the swiss railways um and even when, when we were on our way back to um brussels to catch eurostar and the uh the, the thing broke down as well um coming from cologne so it wasn't uh, <laughs> the greatest the greatest experience and the belgians it clearly happened several has happened lots of times before because the belgians were just uh very uh sort of sh um, short about the whole thing i said oh goodness me not again kind of approach to it but uh yeah very and on disappointing. That, uh, disappointing note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>